We're in a series called Miracles. We believe that God is a God of miracles. And every Thursday night, my wife and I have a date night. And we've been going to this one particular restaurant that we really like because I love the salmon and the risotto. So every time I go there, I go, I want the salmon and the risotto. And it was a few months ago, we went to this restaurant. I'm all excited, date night, been waiting all week for my salmon and risotto. And I got there and the waitress knew who we were. We'd been in there several times. And I tell her, I want my salmon and my risotto. Oh, she says, I got bad news for you. She said, the chef took the risotto off the menu. It's seasonal. It's seasonal, and right now it's off the menu. The chef likes to change up things. I'm like, what? I came here for the risotto. Give me my risotto. And and matter of fact, I've called the restaurant several times over the last several months. Is the risotto back? No, it's seasonal. It's not back yet. Bring back the risotto. And one of the important principles to understand about life is that life is all about seasons. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under the heaven. For everything there's a season. And the dilemma many people find themselves in is they get stuck in a season. You can make something permanent that God intended to be temporary. And that's what Israel did. God spoke to Moses and told him to lead his people out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And God's plan was to take them to the promised land. Matter of fact, listen to what the scripture says in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 17. And it says, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and Anklebites. I added that last part on there. A land flowing with milk and honey. God brought Israel out of Egypt and was preparing to take them to the promised land. The wilderness was supposed to be an 11-day journey to the promised land. It was supposed to be a short season, but an 11-day journey took 40 years. Israel got stuck in a season. God can have a promised land for your life, but you're not prepared to receive it. I want to show you a couple of reasons why Israel got stuck for 40 years. Here's the first one. They did not believe God's word and God's promises. Numbers chapter number 14 and verse number 11, it says, The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt or despise me or reject me? He says, how long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? And no matter how many miracles God provided for them, they refused to believe in God's word and in God's promises. They constantly doubted God. They doubted his word. They doubted his promises. And you will get stuck in a season when you don't believe the word of God, when you don't believe the promises of God. Why did they get stuck for 40 years? They grumbled and complained against the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, watch your mouth. Go ahead and tell me. You, you, got, you got to watch your mouth. No, no, no. No, notice what Scripture says. Numbers chapter 14, verse 26. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, 
How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you 20 years old or more who was counted in the sentence and, and who has grumbled against me. And they got stuck in a season because they grumbled and complained against the Lord. For 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness. They were stuck in a season that was not God's best or God's will for his people. But God is such a good God that even in the wilderness, he provided food for Israel for 40 years. How many thank God that he will provide for you even when you're in the wrong season? Come on. Come. It was the miracle of manna. God rained down manna six days a week. They literally ate bread from heaven every day for 40 years. And something that was supposed to be temporary had become permanent. Israel parked in a place they were supposed to pass through. And some of you are exactly where Israel, you're, you're exactly where Israel was. You've made something permanent that was supposed to be temporary. You've parked in a place you were supposed to be passing through. You've parked in a relationship or in a friendship that was supposed to be temporary. You've parked at a job that was supposed to be temporary. You've parked in a place in your relationship with God that was supposed to be temporary. You've parked in a place financially that was supposed to be temporary. And what's interesting is that the place Israel parked was a place of miracles, even though it wasn't God's best for their life. Just because you're experiencing a miracle, doesn't mean you're experiencing God's best. Israel was literally living every day with a miracle, but it wasn't God's best. So what happens is the scripture says after 40 years, right before they enter the promised land, I want you to see what happens in Joshua chapter number 5 and, and verse number 12. Notice what it says. It says the manna stopped, and the day after they ate, the, ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. The miracle manna stopped because this wasn't God's best for his people. And I can only imagine after 40 years, you wake up on that first day and you go outside your tent and I can just see an old boy waking up and going outside the tent. He's been going out there 40 years gathering manna and there was no manna there. He was like, what in the world? It was Tyrone. I know that joker took my manna, and he went over to Tyrone's tent, and he said, Tyrone, you take my manna. I got to feed my family. Tyrone said, man, I didn't take your manna. He said, well, I don't have any. He said, can I borrow some of your manna? Tyrone said, man, I haven't even been outside to get my manna yet. You haven't? There's no manna out here. Matter of fact, I'm looking at everybody's tent. I don't see manna anywhere. There was pandemonium, people screaming, shouting, where's the manna? Bring back the manna. Bring back the risotto. Where is it? But the manna was temporary, not permanent. They were never supposed to eat manna for 40 years. 
And some of you are stuck in a manna season. You're stuck in a relationship that's taking you backwards. You're stuck in a bad habit. You're stuck in a job that isn't God's will. You're stuck not growing in your faith. You're stuck living paycheck to paycheck. You're stuck in a season of not knowing where you're going to, how you're going to pay all your bills. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. You don't have any savings or any retirement. You're stuck not giving to God. You're stuck in a season. And you can be stuck in a season and even experiencing miracles but it's not God's best for your life. Church, God's trying to take you to the promised land. Don't park in a place you're supposed to be passing through. Don't make something permanent that was supposed to be temporary because at some point, if you try to park in a place and you try to stop in a place that's supposed to be temporary, at some point, God will stop the manna to get you to the promised land. Let me explain to you why the manna stopped. Here it goes. If you're a note taker, write this down. The manna stopped because God's people needed to go from manna to maturity. God didn't want his people to stay stuck in the manna season the rest of their life. He wanted them to go to the promised land where they would have to work the cattle and work the sheep and work the land. They would have to plant seed and produce crops. They would own homes. Living off of manna can cripple your growth. You can get so dependent on the manna that it stunts your development. You stop maturing. You, you stop growing because you just are so used to going out and saying, God, give me some manna. But God's plan is for you to grow and for you to mature. That's the plan of God. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, but grow. Everybody shout grow. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. God doesn't want you to stay stuck in a manna season. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. He wants you to mature. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says this, but speaking the truth in love that you may grow up. Notice this, in all things into him who is the head, Christ. God wants you to grow up in all things things. And one of the greatest challenges for Israel, and we face the same challenge today. They got delivered out of Egypt, but they needed to get Egypt delivered out of them. They left Egypt, but they carried on the bad thinking, the defeated mindset, a losing mindset, a manna mindset, a settling for less than God's best mindset. Egypt was so ingrained inside of them that they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to slavery. They wanted to go back to bondage. It's a horrible place to be when you're stuck in what God used to do and is keeping you from what he wants to do. Are you stuck in Egypt? Are you stuck in a manna season? Are you stuck in your old ways? Are you stuck in what used to work? Are you stuck in bad thinking, in fear, in old habits, in old friendships, in old spending patterns? Are you stuck? It's dangerous to stay stuck where God was because you will miss out on the new season if you stay stuck in the old one because you can't have the new and hold on to the old. Don't stay parked in a place you were supposed to be passing through. You have to grow. You have to develop. You have to mature. It's time for manna season to be over, and it's time for you to go to the promised land. Well, why does God stop the manna? Number two, because you need to go from manna to management. The wilderness is for manna, but the promised land is for management. 
It was a new season for Israel, but the same source. Both seasons require God. They require his favor and his hand and his power. But the management season looks completely different than the manna season. The manna season didn't require much growth for Israel. It didn't require them to develop. It didn't require them to mature. They didn't have to exercise their faith. They just got up every morning, went outside, and the manna was on the ground outside of their tent. No faith, no work, no maturing. But the management season, it requires more effort, more faith, more growth, more maturity, more work. You can't have the promised land without work. You can't have the promised land without management. Once God's people entered the promised land, they had to now care for the cattle. They had to care for sheep. They had to plant crops and water the crops and take care of the crops so they could get a harvest. They had to take care of home, homes. They had to buy clothes. They had to buy, 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 wash, wash clothes. I mean, they had to take care of it. They had to manage. During the manna season, they actually wore the same clothes, wore the same shoes. There wasn't a place in the desert to buy clothes and to buy shoes. Matter of fact, the scripture says it like this in Deuteronomy chapter number 8 and verse number 4. He says, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. In the wilderness, they ate manna every day. They wore the same clothes. The clothes never wore out. The shoes never wore out. It was a miracle, but it wasn't God's best. God had a promised land. For his people, he has a promised land for you. It will require management and not just manna. You got to learn to manage. You got to manage your time better. You can't stay up all night playing Fortnite. I mean, you got to get to bed. You can't binge watch shows all night. You got to get to bed. You got to be on time. You got to be early for the appointment. You got to work hard. It takes management to live in the promised land. You got to manage your health better. Come on, you don't want to spend the rest of your life just praying for a miracle for your health. Come on, you, you can just pray. You know, we, we, here's what we can do. We're eating cheeseburgers, french fries, onion rings. We're eating Brahms ice cream and chasing it down with an apple pie. Saying, Lord, give me a miracle. Lower my cholesterol, Jesus. Lord, Lord said, manage. Manage. You got to manage your relationships better in the promised land. You can't just depend on a miracle. Come on, you got to invest in your relationships. Spend time. Work through problems. Stop the drama. Pursue peace. Manage your relationships. Don't just pray for a miracle. Yeah, God can do a miracle, but manage. Manage your relationship with God. You got to pray. You got to read your Bible. You got to worship. You got to be in church. Hey, attend 21 days of prayer and fasting. Our 6 a.m. prayer services on January the 7th through the 27th. Don't just pray. Oh, God, somehow some way set me on fire. No, manage your relationship with God. Manage your money better. Pay your bills on time. Get out of debt. Save my, come on, you don't want to just say, Lord, would you please send me a check in the mail somehow? No, save some money. Get on a budget. Give to the kingdom of God. There's a blessing and even miracles that come through management. But people want the miracle of the next season, but want to keep the thinking and the habits of the old season. And you can't allow the manna season to become a lifestyle. You can't live in the promised land without management. You have to go from manna to management. Why does the manna stop? Number three, because you need to go from manna to movement. Let me explain this to you because one of the challenging things for people to wrap their minds around is how God will promise you something and then will require you to move, to work, to exercise your faith, to inherit the promise. 
You, you, you got to see this in Deuteronomy chapter number one and, and verse number eight. The scripture says this, see, I have given you. Notice this, I've given you this land. It's yours. Go into the land. Take possession of the land. The Lord swore he would give you to you, your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and to your descendants. But just because God has given you a promised land doesn't mean it won't require movement. Just because God has given you a promise doesn't mean it won't require action. It doesn't mean it won't require faithfulness and management to receive it. Let me quickly give you four moves you need to make so you can live in the promised land. Four moves you need to make if you want to live in the promised land. Here's the first move. You have to remove some things from your life. I want you to go study this on your own. You can read it on your own. In Joshua chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, God told Israel that they had to circumcise the men to go to the promised land. I thank God I wasn't living back then. Thank you, Jesus. There, there had to be a cutting away of some flesh to go to the promised land. But under the new covenant we have through Jesus Christ, it's not the circumcision of the flesh that counts. It's the circumcision of the heart. And yet, some of you have some things in your life that are hindering you from going to the promised land. You have some, some bad habits. You have some sin. You have some junk. You have some filth in your life that needs to get cut away so you can go to the promised land. You have to remove some things from your life to go from manna to the promised land. you got to remove some of that junk and that filth and that sin to go to the promised land. you got to cut, cut away some things. Number two, you have to march around some walls. But, Pastor, didn't God just promise it to them? Yes, he promised it. But they had to march. In Joshua chapter number 6, verse 2 and 3, it talks about how the Lord told his people they had to march around the wall to take the city. Church, it will always require faith to take the promised land. If you don't learn to march by faith, you won't take the promised land. If you have to understand everything God is telling you to do before you move, you're going to miss the promised land. God is asking some of you to take a step of faith in your relationship. Take a step of faith in your career, in your church and serving, in, in your money, in your faith with God. And some of you are just making excuses. Well, God, I don't know. I don't know about marching around that wall. I don't know how it's going to work if I march. Can you explain a few things to me, Lord? No, no, no. You need to start marching by faith and obeying God to enter the promised land. You have to fight some battles. Number three, you have to fight some battles. Notice what it says in Joshua chapter number six, verse number five. It says, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, he says, have the army shout, a loud shout, and the wall of the city will collapse. And the army will go in. Notice this. The army. Lord, what do we need an army for? Oh, you got to fight. The army will go up. Everyone. Straight in. But God, you promised this to us. Yeah, God gave them a promise. Said the city is yours. But they still had to go inside the city and fight. And church, hear your pastor. Some of you are not entering the promised land because you want everything to be easy. And as you face a struggle, you start facing some struggle. You face opposition. You face a little resistance. You face something challenging. You want to give up. You want to quit. 
No, no, no. If you're going to go to the promised land, you got to fight. If you want your marriage, your children, your family to go to the promised land, you have to fight. It's not going to all be easy. If you want your career to go to the promised land, it's not going to all be easy. You're going to have to fight. If you want your money to go to the promised land, it's not going to be easy to budget, pay off your debt, to save, give. But if you want to go to the promised land, you got to fight. If you want your life to go to the promised land, it's not going to be all easy. You have to fight. The apostle Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. To go to the promised land, it's a fight. It's not all easy. Yeah, God promised it to you, but it's going to require a fight. Here's the fourth. Here's the fourth move, the fourth move. You have to give to God what belongs to him. I want you to notice this in, in Joshua chapter number 6. In verse number 17, it says this. The city and all this, this is right, right before they were getting ready to go into the city. It said the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things. Notice that, notice that, the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into the house, into, into his treasury. Now, now here, 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 some of you are like, Pastor, what does this mean? We, we learned about this last Sunday. It's the principle of the first. So this is so fascinating. It's a fascinating study. So the first city, Jericho, it was the first city they were to conquer. And God said, because God always wants to be first. God said, this first city is mine. All the devoted things, all the silver, all the gold, all it all belongs to me. Don't you touch the devoted thing. Cause I always want you to put me first. Give me the first city and I will bless the rest. This is the principle of the first. If you will give God the first, he will bless the rest. And some of you are not entering the promised land because you're ignoring the principle of the first. You're putting God second. You're putting God third. You're putting God fourth in your life. You're wondering, why is this not working out right? God, what's going on? I don't understand. And you're keeping the devoted things for yourself. And church, if you will put God first, he will bless your life. It's the principle of the first. If you missed that message last week, go back online and on our YouTube and watch that message. The principle of the first. If you will give God the devoted things, the first, he will bless your life. Church family, I want you to go to the promised land. Don't keep the devoted things for yourself. I want to encourage you, give God the first 10% of your income. Give it back to the local church where you worship. It's a devoted thing. It's called the tithe. And you don't want to touch the devoted thing. You want to put God first in your life. I encourage you, even if this is not your church home, go back to your church home. Start tithing to the church where you worship. Give God the devoted things. Watch how he'll bless your life. God always wants to be first. You say, well, pastor, I'm nervous. Pastor, I'm scared. Pastor, the economy. Pastor, the inflation. I don't, I don't, I'm scared to trust God. And God knew this would be one of the most challenging areas for, it, for us to trust him. That's why Malachi 3, God says, the only time I see in scripture, God says, test me in this when it comes to the tithe. So I want you to test God. Take a not a day tithe challenge. 
It's, it's right there in your seat back pocket. You can fill out the card, drop it in one of the offering boxes on the walls, and just say, God, I'm going to trust you. You can do it online as well on the People's Church app. But I just, I so want you to do this. It's a money-back guarantee. If you feel like God has not blessed your life as you return the devoted things back to him, the first 10%, just call the church office. We'll just get, refund your money back to you. We so believe. So I, I, believe, I live this. I've lived it for years. Don't touch the devoted things. God will bless your life. And be consistent with the devoted things. It's easy. It's so easy not to be consistent. You know, it's Christmas time. Well, I better, I better, I better take this and buy some Christmas presents. I better, I better get that car. I better, I better get that flat tire fixed. And we start taking from the devoted things. We start taking from God. No, be consistent. One of the things my wife and I have done is we've set up reoccurring giving right online, right on the People Search app. It just comes, we don't want to take the devoted things. It just comes right out of our account. Why? We, God, we want to honor you. We want to put you first. Some of you here today, let me speak to you. You're a tither, and God has given you the gift of giving. Did you realize the Bible talks about that in Romans chapter 12, verse 8? The gift of giving. And if you have the gift of giving, you want to give above your tithe to help the vision of the church to help us celebrate the vision. We have a, what's called the legacy team. And we have our annual Christmas dinner coming up in December. And if you would like to learn more about this or attend our legacy Christmas dinner, uh, we're just gonna celebrate, eat dinner together, give some updates, cast some vision. Just text PC Legacy to 94000. We'd love to have you a part of the legacy team. And church family, here's what I'm asking everybody to do. That calls this place your home. If this is not your church home you're visiting, you don't need to participate at all. You can just say, yay, God, a church that's moving forward, that's full of vision, 21 years old, and still has vision and change in the city. So you can just celebrate with us. But we have our annual miracle offering coming up between now and December 31st. So this year we're not doing dream builders. We're just giving. We're not making a one-year commitment. We're just giving our end of the year giving our dream builder, our, our miracle offering by the end of the year, December 31st. And your miracle offering this year is going to go to, I want to kind of highlight a few things. And matter of fact, as you leave out today, they'll have these at the door. They'll hand you one so you can be able to take this, read it, learn more about the vision. But the miracle offering is going to go help us with the Edmond campus, $375,000 to continue the, the civil engineering that's happening, the architectural and administration. We have a lot going on behind the scenes. Church, you're going to be excited about this. Our goal, and we're moving quickly to make it happen, is to be through the city, all the permitting, all the permits we will have in place. Our goal is to have it in our hands from the city of Edmond in the spring so that we can break ground on a new building on that 23 acres of land that we own. Can we just give God thanks for that? That, man, your giving is making that happen. So thank you for your faithfulness. Praise God. Also, our People's Church Leadership College, we have an accredited leadership college where we're raising up the next generation. We're raising up students. We're, we're, we're raising them up in various areas so they can go make a difference, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, a businessman, a businesswoman, a, a teacher, an educator, an engineer, or they're called in a full-time vocational ministry. We're raising them up to send them out. And our People's Church Leadership College, we're believing for 75000 a part of this miracle offering to be given to help with the administration, to help with scholarships for those students. Uh, we want to continue to grow. We have 19 students in our second year. We're going to see that grow to 20, 40, 50. I believe at one point we're going to have hundreds of students that we're raising up and sending out here at People's Church. And then missions. We're a big missions church. You saw one of the missionaries that we're going to uh, give to the miracle offering with, but $300,000. There's a total of $750,000 that we want to see given over and above the tithe between now and the end of the year. And my wife and I always lead by example. 
every year for the miracle offering, we pray, God, what do you want us to do? And we've always, the message I'm preaching to you today is our life. I'm grateful for my wife. We've been managers. We thank God for how we've been able to steward our life. And so early in our 20s, we were traveling and preaching and saving and saving and paying off all of our debt. And by the time we were in our mid-20s, we had paid off all of our debt for, except for our home. We had thousands of dollars tucked away. And we weren't making a whole lot of money, but we were just always frugal and saving and saving. So we moved to Oklahoma City. We bought all of the equipment to start people's church, thousands of $10,000, $20,000 worth of equipment back in those days. And we took it out of our account. Still had thousands left in our account, but took it out of our account to buy the equipment to start people's church. And ever since then, for the last 21 years, we've always lived the same way, very frugal. And we've saved 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 and we've saved. And yet our hearts are open to whatever God wants us to do. So we prayed for this miracle offering. God, what do you want us to do? And we looked at our savings account. We looked at our retirement accounts. And we're just going to go in big because we just believe our we're, there's a promised land for us to take. There's a promised land. So my wife and I, we're going to give $50,000 by the end of November to help fund the vision of people's church. And some of you were like, well, Pastor, good for you. I ain't mad at my money like that. I'm broke as a joker. I understand. I understand. I understand. I understand. But everybody can do something. Everybody can pray. Say, God, what do you want me to do? Is it $50 above my tithe? Is it 100 Is it 1000 some of you have the capacity to do 20 or 30. Some of you have the capacity to do 50 or 100, 250,000. Let's just all pray, hear from God, and bring our best offering. And let's see more lives changed. Let's support missions locally, nationally, and around the world. Let's continue to move the Edmond campus forward. Come on, let's help our People's Church Leadership College. Let's give generously to see more changed lives. Father, I bless you. I magnify you. I give you honor. I give you glory. I give you praise. You're a great God, and you're greatly to be praised. And Father, today, our hearts simply say this, but we don't want to live where you used to be. We want to move with you. We don't want to live with manna. We want to go to the promised land. Take us to the promised land. Lord, take us to the promised land. Father, we want to march. We want to move. We don't want to hesitate. We want to obey you. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that you're working and you're speaking to hearts. Father, I give you praise for it, that we have faith to follow you in the areas you're speaking to us in. In Jesus' name, his eyes are still closed and heads are bowed. I'm talking to some people today that are far away from God. You're not serving God. You're not living for Jesus. He's not your Lord and Savior. Some of you used to serve God, but you went back into the world. You, you got back into the flesh. You, you've got some things in your life. You've got some sin and some junk, and today is a day to get right with God. Well, I, I, I'm grateful for this Thanksgiving season. Come on, thank God for Jesus. Thank God your sins can be forgiven. Thank God that even though you messed up and you've been wandering in the wilderness, you can still go to the promised land. If you'll turn your life over to Jesus, if you'll surrender to him, he has more for your life. He wants to forgive you. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. Would you say yes to him today? I'm going to count to three at every location. If that's you, would you shoot your hand high in the air? And I want to lead you in a prayer to say yes to Jesus. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to be made right with God. One, two, 
three. Just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. See your hand there. Others that I see your hand. Others that I see your hand. Others. Come on. Midwest City, Northwest, Edmond. Come on. Every location. The ladies at Mabel Bassett, just lift it high. Anybody else today, you want to be a part of this prayer. You want God to forgive you of your sins. You want to be made right with God. That's it. Someone else today. Online, click the raise your hand button or write yes in the chat line. Is there somebody else? I'm going to ask every hand that's lifted all around the campuses today to pray this prayer with me. Confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. And God's going to wash away your sins today. Pray with me now, Heavenly Father. I'll turn away from my sin and I'll turn my life over to Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for grace, mercy, and forgiveness. I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I will live for Jesus the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.